It's really hit home, I think, for us and for, for me because of our dear friend, Paul Petrie. Uh, in 1996, uh, Paul, who has been here to minister, is a dear friend of ours, been a long-standing friend to Brother John and Ellen, uh, has walked with Brother Charles for decades, and also our own Robert Grant. Uh, Paul, along with some other like-minded leaders, founded the European Prayer Breakfast. Uh, it was a prayer movement that was based off of the National Prayer Breakfast here in the United States, and he began it in the EU, in the European Union, specifically in Brussels with the parliament there. But that effort in the last uh, 25 years uh, has spun into more than 30 national prayer breakfasts in nations all over Europe and the Middle East, including the Ukraine, uh, which last year held its ninth annual national prayer breakfast for Ukraine in Kyiv. And uh, Paul wrote to me yesterday and he said, my first visit to Kyiv was nearly 18 years ago to meet with a group of three parliamentarians in the parliament building. And this last fall, 1,500 gathered to pray, including one of the former presidents, uh, a former prime minister, and many of the current military leaders that are fighting the conflict that we're seeing on our televisions today. Also attending was a man named Vitaly Orlov, the founder of Intercessors for Ukraine. He is pictured here with Paul just last fall. After this time that he was with him in Kiev, uh, Vitaly came to visit Paul here in the United States for a few weeks. And they are very, very close and have obviously been in close contact uh, during this most recent situation. Uh, Vitaly asked Paul to actually speak at this year's Intercessors for Ukraine conference, which obviously is now in jeopardy, but the intercession is not. Over the years, our other friends like Dennis Call and Randy Cottingham and Bill Hightower have joined Paul in many of these gatherings around Europe, in Jerusalem, other places, and they've also established deep, deep relationships with many, many fine leaders, parliamentarians, kings, princes, all sorts of government officials, uh, and others. And Bill was actually, Bill Hightower was actually in uh, Ukraine last December. And he was traveling with a group of these leaders, and they were stopping in a church here where they were doing a bit of sightseeing and and just this group spontaneously broke out into singing a Ukrainian hymn. And I, I just felt like that today we should take a few moments and pray for our brothers and sisters in the Ukraine uh, that are facing such horrific things in their nation right now. Uh, I'd like for you to join with me in prayer right now. James has already done a great job, but I want to pray a prayer that I actually read that was posted by Pastor Scotty Smith and uh, I thought it really captured uh, what we should come before the Lord. So would you join with me in prayer? Lord Jesus, our hearts break for all who are suffering in Ukraine. The evil we are witnessing fuels our longing for the fulfillment of Isaiah's vision. When the wolf will live with the lamb and the leopard will lie down with the goat, 
and the calf and the lion and the yearling together, and a little child will lead them. And they will neither harm nor destroy anywhere on my holy mountain, says the Lord. For the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. We pray for the church and the children and the citizens of the Ukraine. We pray for the growing number of Russian citizens protesting this horror. Hasten the day, O Lord, when all enmity, strife, and violence will be gone forever. No more wars or even rumors of war. Hurry the day, O Lord, when your glory will cover the earth as the waters cover the sea. The day when knowing you won't be something we do, but something we are. The day when we will finally and fully love and worship you with everything we have and are. Until then, keep us groaning and growing in grace. Grant us quick repentance, softer hearts, and a passion for local reconciliation and global mission. May the world recognize us as your disciples, O God, by the way we love one another. You have come, and you will come again. Even so, come, Lord Jesus. Amen. I've sent out an email to those that are in our church as a way that we can help efforts with Paul as they are trying to rescue close to 90,000 orphans and, and children that are being impacted by this conflict. One orphanage that he knows of has actually been bombed in the last 48 hours. And you can respond by contributing to IOM or sending a donation to the church. Just simply put Ukraine in the memo and we will make sure that all those funds get to this effort. We have been looking, as James mentioned, at the words and, and emphases that have been given to us during our churchwide fast in January. And the word that was received on Sunday, January 30th, seems even more pertinent today based on all that we've just talked about and all that we're experiencing in the world today. This is how the prophetic word was given to us. When you see pain and suffering and you feel tenderness... Don't make the mistake of thinking you are more loving than God. And when you see in hard situations and you don't know how it could work out, excuse me, when you see people in hard situations and you don't know how it could work out, don't make the mistake of believing that you are more merciful than he is. God desires that none should perish. Jesus is the only way to the Father and no one is more merciful loving, or compassionate than he is. We need to make sure we are rehearsing the truth of who he is to ourselves and to each other, not a distorted view of him that gives room for him to err or mistreat us. He does not err. He does not mistreat us. He is wholly right and true and good. We need to tell that to ourselves and see if there's anything in our perspective that doesn't line up with that. As I mentioned to you, I've never done sermons based off of prophetic words that have been received, but I do believe God is doing a new thing in our midst. 
And I am grateful for the prophetic word that comes as it did this morning. And there are prophetic tones to so much that is happening, not just a thus saith the Lord on a Sunday, but actually in conversations over coffee and all sorts of engagements throughout the week in small groups, in times of discipleship, and reaching out beyond ourselves. Lord, let your prophetic word be uttered in our midst. We want to be a people, a prophetic people, that not only live our lives prophetically to this world that we live in, but speak the words that you are speaking. This phrase, rehearsing the truth of who he is, has really struck me. As I have pondered these words and considered them, and I do believe they are a message from God to us, they are in accordance with the spiritual gift that has been given here to the body, and they are certainly not in contrast or contradiction to God's written word. But when I have considered this phrase, rehearsing the truth of who he is, it has really made an impact on me. It reminds me of one thing that I kind of like about social media and, and big tech. Um, we all, well, we may, maybe not all of us, but a lot of us have these things. Um, they can be so distracting, and we might even make them into an idol at times. But one of the things that I really like is when social media or my Apple phone, my Photos app, puts together a collage of photos to remind me of memories of times in my past. Does that do that for you? Is anybody? Facebook will do that. Instagram, TikTok, I guess. I don't know. I don't do TikTok. Uh, no. Uh, Elizabeth said no. I should have asked a young person. Um, and so these memories will pop up. And like, for example... I saw one the other day where they took all the photographs, a lot of photographs from our family beach vacations at Dolphin Island, and they put it in this collage and put music to it. I changed the music to the Beach Boys. It seemed appropriate. <laughs> and uh, I sat there and watched it, and I was moved to tears. Just the history and the way, the rhythm of that, and how much it matters to me. And I thought to myself, I'm grateful for that. I can rehearse the things that matter to my life the most. And I, I think it's a good reminder that we are called in these days of turbulence, of distortions, of so much shakiness, of all the stuff that's going on that seems to be crumbling. We're reminded to rehearse the truth of who he is. Because it's who he is that gives us steadfastness and stability in our lives. The prophetic word given told us to rehearse the truth of who he is. The ladies last year did a Bible study called Truth Filled by Ruth Cho Simons. And she used this phrase to rehearse the truths of God to yourself, to preach them to yourself, to say to yourself, this is who God is. And in light of that, this is who I am. I liked especially the fact that God's truth is that he is steadfast in his love, and that he is merciful to us. And this is what the prophetic word did, right? It warned us not to mistakenly think that somehow we're more merciful or that we're more loving than God himself. That we might indict the creator, the one who made all heavens and earth and all that is that in them, we might indict him as if he were not a merciful and loving God. 
And I realize that there are a lot of people that would love to take certain aspects of history and even scripture and distort it into seeing God as only a God of wrath. He is a God of justice, but his justice is displayed to us with loving kindness and mercy to a thousand generations. We are sitting here today because of God's mercy and love. He is merciful. He is loving. When I say steadfast love, you know that I I can't go there without saying this Hebrew word, especially if you've been a part of our church family, the word hesed. It's a word familiar to many of us, especially those who sat under the ministry of Brother John for 27 years as he was the pastor of our church because it was a pillar of his preaching ministry. He did a series on Hesed that I think took 18 years. No, not quite. <laughs> but it, it was so rich and there was so much more to be uncovered and unpacked. And he helped us see that there is no mining the full depths of God's loving kindness towards us. His Hesed. It's an amazing concept And it's been used almost 250 times in the Old Testament to reveal the essence and the nature of God. His eternal and covenantal love towards us and how we are to live in that love ourselves. Yet, even though it's so profound, in the English language we have no one single word that can fully articulate it. The best we can do is cobble together a catalog of English words to do our best to give some idea of what hesed means in Scripture. We describe it with words like these, steadfast love, loving kindness, goodness, graciousness, faithfulness, trustworthiness, covenant love, loyal love, godly favor, and the list goes on. Those are just some of them. Hesed is the idea of love in action, a quality that moves someone to act for the benefit of someone else without considering what's in it for me. It is sacrificial in nature. It's not just affection, but devoted affection that comes with a commitment towards the other. It's not just kindness, it's loving kindness that is persistent and unconditional. It's not just love, but loyal love that is steady and steadfast and rooted in God's covenantal relationship with his own. Hesed is the centerpiece of God's relationship with Moses and with the children of Israel throughout their history. In in Exodus 34, when God's presence passes by Moses on Mount Sinai, God proclaims his hesed. This is what it says. The Lord descended in the cloud and stood with him there and proclaimed the name of the Lord. The Lord passed by, excuse me, passed before him and proclaimed, the Lord, the Lord, a God merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in hesed, steadfast love 
and faithfulness, keeping hesed for thousands, forgiving iniquity and transgression and sin. Hesed is often paired with another Hebrew word, reham, which means mercy or compassion. Like when the prophet Isaiah is speaking for the Lord, he says, for the mountains may depart and the hills be removed, but my hesed shall not depart from you. And my covenant of peace shall not be removed, says the Lord who has reham, compassion on you. Mercy, compassion. I love it that God is so for us that it takes two complex Hebrew words to even give us an inkling of what that means. It also is what Jeremiah spoke in Lamentations. For the hesed, steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His rahim, mercies, never come to an end. Throughout David's writings, throughout the Old Testament, into the New Testament, this understanding of hesed is like a thread woven through the fabric of God's story to us. It is woven so deeply into what God is making. It is the essence of who he is, and it is the only basis by which we can be called his people. The most demonstrative of all, I think, is Psalm 103, which is where I've asked you to turn today. And we're going to finish our time this morning by just reading and making a few comments about this psalm. Psalm 103. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. Who forgives all your iniquity, who heals all your diseases, who redeems your life from the pit, who crowns you with hesed and rahim, who satisfies you with good so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. David starts the psalm by saying, bless the Lord or bless Yahweh. And he uses that phrase six times throughout this psalm, like in chapter excuse me, verse two, what we just read. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. It sounds like to me that David's been rehearsing the truth of who he is. It also helps us see that our human tendency is to forget. If we have to be reminded not to, chances are we're inclined to. Rehearse the truth of who he is. Forget not all of his benefits. Recite them to yourselves. Write them down on the tablets of your heart. Share them with your children, not just once, but all the time. In their rising and in their going to bed and throughout their days. Recite, rehearse, remember, do not forget all of his benefits. The Lord had blessed David with so much in his life. He's blessed us with so much in our lives. He forgave David's sin. He healed David's diseases. He redeemed his life out of the pit. And that is 
a description of all of us who have come out of darkness into light. For if God had not pulled us out of the pit we were in, we stood no chance. There was no hope apart from the redemption of God that pulls us out of the pits we find ourselves in. The pits we dug for ourselves. He satisfied him with good. He showered upon him good. He satisfied his heart with good and he renewed his youth. And oh, this feels really good the older you get. He renewed his youth like the strength of a soaring eagle. And he has that same ability to do all of these things for you. To forgive your sins, to heal your diseases, to redeem your life out of the pit, to satisfy you with good, to renew your youthfulness. And it's capped off with the most magnificent crown of all. It's called Hesed and Rahim. The crown of loving kindness and mercy. David continues in verse 6. The Lord works righteousness and justice for all who are oppressed. He made known his ways to Moses, his acts to the people of Israel. The Lord is merciful and gracious. Sound familiar? Slow to anger and abounding in chesed, steadfast love. He will not always chide, nor will he keep his anger forever. He does not deal with us according to our sins, nor repay us according to our iniquities. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his steadfast love towards those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far does he remove our transgressions from us. As a father shows compassion, Rahim, to his children. So the Lord shows Rahim to those who fear him. For he knows our frame and he remembers that we are dust. As for man, his days are like grass. He flourishes like a flower of the field. For the wind passes over it and it is gone. And its place knows it no more. But... The Hesed, the steadfast love of the Lord, is from everlasting to everlasting on those who fear him. And his righteousness to children's children, to those who keep his covenant and remember to do his commandments. The Lord has established his throne in the heavens and his kingdom rules over all. God's character is clear in these passages. His character is clear in the way that he has dealt with his people. His heart goes out to the needy. It still does. And he secures justice for those who are oppressed. And he rescued Israel from captivity. He gave them his law a covenant with them. He was patient with them when they complained. And even his anger was strictly limited, restoring them when they had fallen to himself. This is what God is like. This is not the God that so much of the world wants to paint, a God that is mean and hateful and only full of wrath that is far removed 
He is a father that is close and his heart pounds for those that are his. And his loving kindness will go on forever and ever. Even when he disciplines us, his motives are love and kindness. That we can grow, as the prophetic word said today, that we can grow up. That's why he disciplines us, not to be punitive, but to be developmental. Even in his justice, he shows his faithfulness to a thousand generations. And as Andrew Knowles said, he doesn't prosecute without mercy or hold grudges or insist on the fullest of punishment. His love is as high as the heavens. His forgiveness as wide as space. And his forgiveness is not because our sins don't matter, but because he bears the cost of them himself. So, his love for us is heartfelt. It's like a father. It's as close as a mother's womb. And though we were formed from dust and are fading like flowers, God's love gives us value and gives us purpose and gives us meaning because we belong to him. His goodness continues to future generations. And the last word is not our futility or failure, but his faithfulness and loving kindness. So, these days... With this word that has come to us, in these days when so much is shaking all around us, let us rehearse the truth of who he is. Let us recall to ourselves and to those that we love and to all who will listen that God is the one who has loved us with an everlasting love. And his loving kindness is the one that has saved us and paid the price for our sin and brought us into fellowship with him to be with him one day forever and ever. David said it well. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all of his benefits. Who forgives our iniquity, who heals our diseases, who redeems our life from the pit. And crowns us with steadfast love and mercy. Who satisfies us with that which is good. And who restores our youth like that of the eagles. Bless the Lord, O my soul. Amen. Amen. Donna's going to come and we're going to pray for you. Give opportunity if there are those that need to have prayer and ministry this morning. And then we'll go before the Lord. Go ahead. I think that part of remembering why it's important is that our life is so often the context of our faith instead of our faith being the context of our lives. Mm -hmm. And I think the word that... um, that you based the message on today and then the word from Grace this morning about growing up, that's what we're growing up. (laughs) We're growing up our ability to make God our only context. Right. 
so that our circumstances, the circumstances of others, the world, the hard things that we see or hear, or even experience the suffering that comes in just living, doesn't become our context. Right. Um, so my, that's the focus of my heart today for myself and for us is that we do take this seriously and we don't just think these nice thoughts about God right. and we don't just say he's good all the time, but that it gets down deep in us mm -hmm. and changes who we are right. because that becomes our foundation, our boundary line, mm -hmm. our source, it's everything. It's everything. And then that will change how we respond when other people come to us with their hard things right. and their um, wobbly faith, <laughs> or maybe even their having not experienced God yet at all. They don't even know what to believe. That's right. um, but we have to believe it unshakably in order to stand in a world that is being shaken. Yes, we do. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for being clear and for bringing conviction, reminding us that we are indeed convinced about who you are, about your divine nature, that you are loving, that you are merciful, and that your thoughts and ways are never going to line up to ours. I pray, Lord, that you would search our hearts for anything that stands up against the true knowledge of you. Yes. For any thought or motive or feeling that doesn't say yes to the truth that the Holy Spirit is leading us into. Mm. Father, I want in my own life for you to be my total context. That it wouldn't be my perspective or my fears or my circumstances, but that you would be the all in all. And that's my prayer for all of us, Lord. That you would do what needs to be done in our hearts to make them undivided. And that your truth would be the banner that we raise. And that it would be something that you use to draw people into your safety into your security because we're not going to find that in the world that can only be found when you alone are our rock yes that's right lord forgive us for indicting you as if you were not loving and merciful for questioning you when the things that we thought would work out differently didn't Instead of abiding in you and finding your source, we've somehow stepped outside and laid accusations at your feet. God, we don't see it all. Your ways are higher than our ways. Your thoughts are higher than our thoughts. Life hurts, but no one knows that more than you do, Jesus. You're fully acquainted with our griefs. And instead of drawing from the compassion that you have towards us, the loving kindness you have to sustain us and crown us with, too many times 
we've sat in our pain and not received your comfort. We've sat in our disappointment and not received your love. I pray for all of us that are listening today, those that are here today, where the disappointment and the hurt has caused us to doubt your goodness, where we've not rehearsed your faithfulness, your loving kindness, your mercy, your compassion. And instead, we've wondered if they're even present. Lord, we repent of those things that have kept us from you and your presence and the place where it gets better. We've wanted an answer when what you've offered us is your presence. Forgive us, O oh God, for that. We repent and we ask, Lord, that you would receive us back into the place where your comfort and grace and your loving kindness can sustain us, forgive us our sins and pull us out of the pit and shower us with everything that is good and give us strength like we had when we were younger and even crown us with your hesed. Adorn us with your compassion. Do a work in us, I pray, O oh God. Amen. Let's stand together.